in New Orleans and broadcasting around the world at whivfm.org. This is Health is a Human Right radio show. Protecting people like yourself I have some news for you We're here to defend wealth I have some news for you We're here to defend wealth Tra-la-la-la A public service announcement with guitar. Good afternoon, everyone. AJ Strong here with Nola Matters. Health is a human right. Mark Allen is laughing at me because I have yet to master that fade out slash fade in. For somebody who's as techie as a person as you are. You know what? I, I would have just expected the you know the mastery of the uh, of the fade in fade out thing. So, I, 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 uh, for, I do, all, for all of the looks that you give me whenever we share okay, a show fair. together, fair <laughs> that is, and for all the poking that I've been getting on the uh, uh, conscious roots shows. Oh, <laughs> so I'm just saying. <laughs> That's fair. I'll, I will accept that. <clears throat> One of these times I will nail that intro and then you will have nothing on me. Anyway, here we that. are again. Our monthly, my monthly installment of NOLA Matters here on 102.3 WHIV FM. As I said, my name is AJ Strong and my co-host, Dr. Mark Allen Derry, who is being a bit of a tool at the moment. I can say that because he left the room. He's back. Shh, everyone be quiet. He's back. All right. Today we are in the studio with our very special guest, Claire Privat. Right? Um, very Privat. close. Privat. Privat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <sighs> you know. It's, it's 0 for 2 is okay, dude. Yeah. <laughs> 0 for yeah. 2 is okay. Keep it up. Can we start over? All right. Claire Privat. Doctoral student yoga teacher extraordinaire mm-hmm. in the studio today mm-hmm. to talk about some of their um, trauma-informed healing-based yoga training practices. So we're going to be talking a little bit about um, an area of alternative healing, what that means. I'm sure that Dr. Mark Allen Derry will have some interesting things to bring up surrounding or, that. Or at least things. Yes, <laughs> things. <clears throat> Um, all right, so first of all, I want to just start with Claire. Um, can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and how you came into practicing yoga in general? Yeah, um, first, thank you for having me. I'm really delighted to be here with y'all. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm a, a clinical psychology grad student here in New Orleans. 
Um, very, very close to being done. I'm in the dissertation haze right now. Yay. Uh, Congratulations. Thank you. Thank I, you. I know that's, a, that's quite a long uh, a pathway. Yes. You in, know, in, in I thought Denver. that for some reason I was going to be spared all the horror stories I hear about dissertation, but no. No. You, you were not spared. I was there, not. You're not that special. No. <laughs> That's okay. Or, or neither neither are AJ and I. So yeah, you're okay. in good company. We're all, we're all here together. Um, so yeah, so I'm working on my dissertation. And um, before I was a grad student, I was a yoga teacher. Um, and I came to practicing yoga hmm, a long time ago, maybe like 10 years ago or so. I don't know. Um, and I, I started out just practicing a little bit. Um, and what I was finding was that for maybe the first time, I felt really strong. And it wasn't just like a, like a, I could do a pull up now, but more like what I've come to understand from my training as a sense of self-efficacy or this belief that um, I have the capacity to change how I feel, to really um, impact things. So, um, so I, I started practicing and it really, it drew me in because of the way it was really starting to have a ripple effect and change. Um, not just myself, but kind of the way I was thinking about the world. So, um, yeah, yeah. And so it's traveled and changed a lot since then, but that's how it all started. Okay. And then do you want to tell us a little bit more specifically how you gravitated toward the, the trauma informed yoga? Yeah. Um, so I was working at a, um, a nonprofit that serves folks with intellectual disabilities. And at the same time, I had an internship uh, at a local organization that serves sex trafficking survivors. And so in both of those settings, the shared, one of the shared common denominators is trauma. Um, and I was finding that as I explored my yoga practice, um, some of the things that I found helpful being in those stressful work situations, I was noticing were also helpful for the folks that were at those organizations. So I would just share breathing exercises or maybe we would do some standing stretches or some different shapes. And I just started to notice the way that handing over those tools was doing something more than just yoga. It became something more. And so I, I got really interested and did more trainings and ever since then have been you know, trying to refine it and offer it to more people. Okay, so in those situations, you were kind of looking around and thinking, how can I, how, what can I do in this moment to make things better? And you sort of just drew from your, the yoga training that you already had. Yeah. And were, and you noticed that that was helping in those situations and you thought, I should explore this. Yes, I should do more of this thing that is working. Okay. Um, yeah. And then what? How did you seek out, because... Honestly, I it makes sense when I hear trauma-informed yoga. That makes total sense to me. But I hadn't heard it before until, you know, my partner had t has taken your training. And mm -hmm. when, when she started talking about it, that was the first time I had heard of it. And I thought, huh, that actually really resonates. So how did you seek out and develop this training? So there are different organizations that offer uh, training in yoga for trauma recovery, and they all have their own, like, uh, for lack of a better word, brand name for it, you know? Um, so there's trauma-sensitive yoga, there's trauma-informed yoga, there's trauma-conscious yoga. Um, 
And I was just taking trainings from all of them to get as many different perspectives as I could. And the training that I'm almost done with now, we're about to celebrate the end of it next week. I'm very excited about that. Um, but the training I, I have now, I, I kind of just developed because I saw a need for it. You know, all the other trainings that I was I was seeing were uh, too far away or they would come to New Orleans and offer like one weekend and you're supposed to be able to help people recover from trauma in one weekend. Mm. It just seemed like a little dangerous to give a little bit of skill but not follow through with the supervision and you know really the research that's needed in order to make people feel really competent to hold space for people who are healing. So I wanted to offer something that was going to be longer and more intensive and really let people um, sit with and then learn the skills and develop over time okay yeah so yours is more of a lengthy several week long sort of like a workshop situation try try several months months okay several months yeah all right (laughs) well hey i mean that makes sense if you're gonna uh really if the end result is to find true healing i think it's i agree with you it's not something that can be done in in mere hours Yeah. Yeah. And so the training over time, you know, we start out, you know, talking about, you know, some, um, you know, the basic approaches and we have come to call it healing focused instead of trauma informed. Um, and I think that's an important distinction, distinction, you know, words really matter. Mm -hmm. Um, especially not putting labels on other people that describe their own experience. So when we call something trauma-informed, what we're really doing is centering trauma. And some Mm. people don't even recognize that that is what their experience is. They refer to it as something else or, you know, so when we call it healing-focused, which we've tried to do is just it really recognizes that what we're doing is offering healing and we're centering that in our yoga practice. and, you know, uh, I have a co-facilitator, Sarah Morrison, who couldn't be here on such short notice, but is incredible and has worked with me through this whole training. And something she brought up was, um, you know, when we call it trauma-informed, what we're doing is kind of implying to people that they are defined by the worst thing that's ever happened to them. Mm. Um, and so we kind of trying to shift away from that. And so it doesn't just mean that we're recovering. I, yeah, I've been hearing about that. Like, uh, <clears throat> I know that... Uh, that uh, People with living with HIV, you know, the the example I give is that you know, folks, I'm an HIV doctor, and, and so people don't want to be known as the uh, the AIDS patients or so, or yeah. something, you know, something that which is even has a problem in and above itself. But we usually refer to people as people living with HIV, <clears throat> but also not you know somebody oh here so and so and they are a rape survivor, you know, not not be Oof, defined yeah. by this traumatic uh experience that that may have happened to somebody and I, I think that's a great point yeah yeah and for some people they do find empowerment in that label but it's about letting them you know come so to that letting yeah, them choose. yeah exactly yeah. yeah that that is a really good point yeah words words are very important i think that's something to always remember because something that may not be important to one person can actually deeply impact sure another so the your yoga class i mean so you take people through like is it a meditation or i mean like so first of all does somebody start the class they end the class with you or can just people just jump in in the middle of the cycle of how the class works uh or something along those lines Uh, walk us through that yeah so um 
I'm, I'm trying to clarify your question. So are you asking more, more about the process of the training or what a healing focused yoga class All looks the like? above, yes. Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> let's start with the first one. Yeah. So the training is the same group of folks from beginning to end. I just missed a gesture. What was, what was that? I just said I asked big questions. <laughs> yeah. So, sorry. True. Big, yeah. good questions. Thank so, you. Um, so from the training from beginning to end, a lot of what has been really incredible in it is the group dynamics Everyone has their own reasons to come into this type of training because this is a type of practice of yoga. You aren't going to make money off of this. You do this as a donation, as a service. The the facilitator. Yes, the facilitator. And so we all have come together with different interests and different, you know, reasons for going through this training and everyone has just been so connected. It's been amazing. So we've all been through the same training together. Um, And... As far as teaching a healing focused yoga class, those types of classes are not necessarily at a studio, like a commercial typical yoga studio. Um, I teach healing focused yoga in the community, so I bring it to where people are. So I'm teaching regularly at Eden House, which is a home, home for sex trafficking survivors. Eden House, well. Yeah. A great, um, great place, and that's a great program, and they do amazing work. They do, yeah. Um, so, and, you know, different people in the training are bringing the healing focused yoga classes. I know to, uh, your partner's bringing it to vote. Um, uh, one of the folks in my training is bringing it to people living with HIV. Um, just all these different areas. Uh, we've got a class at the healing center, um, the New Orleans Family Justice Center, sorry, uh, for LGBTQ folks. So just all these different areas. So we're really trying to bring it to where people are to bring accessibility. Um, and so a class itself, so we've got the facilitator who's running the class. Um, and, you know, I, I can maybe talk you through what a class would look like. Sure. Okay. So um, we start with mindfulness. The approach is mindfulness-based. You know, I think of mindfulness as the core ingredient, you know, that, that ability to not just be present with yourself in the moment and observe what's happening, but to do that with a commitment to being gentle with yourself. So it's awareness, but also with this acceptance of yourself. And that isn't an all or nothing thing. It's the possibility of being gentle with yourself. It's an important distinction there. <laughs> Otherwise, it would be very, very, very hard to practice that consistently. So, um, you know, and I think actually that, that kind of dovetails into one of the things that really defines a healing focus yoga class, which is meeting people where they're at and setting really clear, realistic expectations, you know, um, and a typical yoga class, I know I cannot be the only person who's had this experience of, you know, it's been a long day, I make it to my mat, and the teacher says something like, all right, we're just gonna imagine how much love we have inside of ourselves, we're just these great beings of light, and I just feel so isolated in that moment because I don't feel that. That's not how I'm feeling in this moment. And then I, and then for someone who's surviving trauma, they might have some beliefs around, I'm, I'm not okay, something is wrong with me. So that kind of experience. Because they're not able to, they're not able to partake or feel that love that let's say the yoga yeah. instructor is, is asking people to partake in. Yeah, or, or not even maybe asking, but sometimes telling or okay. implying that it's like a, a, it should be required and it should be sure. that way. You know, I've always, as an aside, I've always wanted to start like either a blog, and I know that's so like 2000, but uh, you <laughs> know, just of, uh, of things that I've heard yoga Yoga teachers say, oh, exactly. as, as a doctor, there are things that, that yoga teachers say as a physician, just that does not make physiologic sense, but pe- most people don't know it. And the yoga teachers want it to be the case. And it makes sense in the moment that something like that should work, but it just 
doesn't work like that. And, and uh, I've collected a few of, of these things that yoga teachers say that I've always. Uh, yeah. You're, uh, by, by the way, uh, there's a yoga teacher uh, that I know very well. She's awesome. So medically accurate. I just want you Great. to know. So. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I'm yeah. speaking about AJ's uh, partner, obviously. Oh, okay. So. okay. Oh, are I you agree. talking about Bella? I think she yeah. might be listening. Right oh, now. she's. I've told. Hi, I've told. I've actually told her that before. That she that when she's she speaks, accurate. that she doesn't like. There are yoga teachers that get into the realm of medicine, be, and they want something to work a certain way because it feels right in that moment. But just life does not work like that. It's just like trying to argue against gravity. But and I've noticed that amongst a lot of yoga teachers, and I try to tr- and I have to turn it off. I have to turn my medical brain off and like not get frustrated because you know I get frustrated because I'm a teacher and yeah. <coughs> you know, this is a moment where we can teach and I want to be like excuse me it doesn't <laughs> quite work like that but I've not done you that can't, you don't want to be that yeah, yeah I haven't done that and, well and, I can and, relate but yeah. Bella's, Bella is not that way though I'll, I'll have you know Bella's not yeah. that way yeah, or I can relate, but uh, not so much about the maybe the anatomy and the med- the medicine, but more the psychological things well, see, that are said in go. class. I've I want to stop and be yes. like, "Excuse me, that's not accessible." Right. Yeah, yeah. Do you understand the rates of mental health? Like, <laughs> right. I have heard like people say, "Well, you know, if there, if more people did yoga, there would be less mental health in this, or less mental health issues in this world." And I was like. God, that, that is such a heavy statement to make. I, that's just not the way mental health. I know what they were trying to get across, but life yeah. just doesn't work like that. I, it just mental health is organic. It's real. It's like a, either there's either either a neurotransmitter issue or there's a life of trauma or it's just yoga just is not. It's one of many tools. Mm, but yes, yeah, yeah. That's something I've tried to emphasize a lot is the the power and the skills and the tools that yoga teachers do have in their toolkit, and then what they can refer out to in terms of making sure they're allied with other healthcare professionals instead of trying to be uh, the, be the ultimate right, right. be the ultimate. Agreed. Guru, I mean, to use the terms that they would use. So, um, yeah, I think that's really important. And whenever we can acknowledge that, we're setting realistic expectations for people because, um, you know, to hear that kind of statement about how, you know, if everyone practiced yoga, there wouldn't be so much mental health uh, difficulties. You know, what I'm hearing is that someone believes that it has really been helpful for them to yes, do yoga. that's exactly right. And I want to yes. acknowledge that. You know, I want right. to say, like, I'm so glad that right. you have had that experience. Right. But what we've talked about a lot also in the training is making sure that you aren't just teaching from your experience, but facilitating from a background of science and research so that we are making sure that we're setting people up for expectations for things that are going to be genuinely helpful for them and that we aren't being... Um, disingenuous in terms of what we say and expectations. You know, one of the things that, uh, actually when I, uh, years ago started at Eden House, I was in my interview and I remember this moment, it was when something about how tra- how a trauma-informed lens was really important. It clicked for me. The, uh, the person who was interviewing me said, you know, sometimes when you're here, um, the residents might get, um, you know, uh, verbally aggressive with you. They might snap at you. And I want you to consider how that kind of behavior might have kept them alive. And so now whenever we can think about things as tools that have kept people alive through their experience, it's really important. So for example, I want to be really clear about expectations whenever I facilitate a class and let people know that this isn't going to cure your trauma. What it will do is help you be present with your experience in a way that is compassionate and hopefully more helpful. But 
I want to also acknowledge that it's so important to make sure that what I say is fair and realistic and genuine because some of the things that have kept people alive is to be really attuned to whether people are being honest with them or not. So just this trauma-informed lens goes into so many different things. You know, when it we're really thinking does. about, yeah. you know, it just, it affects everything. Yeah. Yeah. So I do want to um, circle back to what, what you were saying about your experience, Mark Allen, as a medical doctor, mm. being in a yoga class and hearing some of the things that you deem to be just impossible. Right. If you do this, and you'll stimulate your immune system. Sure. No, you so, don't. So let's <laughs> Here's what stimulates immunity. Vaccines. Right. Yeah. So Are let, we going to be giving out shots now? Or right. Like? So I, want, I was wondering if, okay, so your credentials are that you are a real live doctor. Right. Um, Claire, your credentials are that you are a soon to be psychologist. Yes. I have a master's in clinical psych also. So she's okay. a psychologist. Great. Not yet. I, that's not actually true. I'm not licensed, but I have a master's. Great. One day you're I'll be a psychologist. On the, you're on the path. You're I'm a psychologist path. to be. Yeah. That is yeah. You're as close as, you're, you're the closest to a psychologist than there is in this room, right? The, that well. is. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Okay. 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 Yeah, fine. Yeah. So that works for this what yeah. we're going about to do right. here. All so right. Mark Allen, give excited. us, aside from what you just said about the immunity, give us an example of something. And then Claire, as a yoga teacher and a psychologist, how, what would you say to that? Or do you agree? Ooh. Or, or can we like have a little back and forth here? Like medical science versus alternative healing, if you will. Yeah. I mean, so the one that I, I hear a lot is again this wishful thing and that's a great it's a great exercise and yeah i'm excited and, 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 and we'd love to have you back claire to talk more about some of the trauma mm -hmm. as we kind of i know that you have to leave a little early and, and we got sidetracked a bit but we'd love to have you back to talk yeah, more about I'd love this to. um the the one that i hear a lot about are um is the stimulation of immunity um and there is just a gross lack of understanding of immunity and i understand that I'm an expert in immunity, and so I understand that most people don't understand immunity. But the 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 twisting exercises, you know, stimulates uh, immunity. You know, if you it, it, is that I just it? had an involuntary response because twists are notorious for all of these things that don't make sense. Like one thing I've heard a lot, yoga teachers. I'm sorry, I'm already I'm already <laughs> off on it. No, go please. No, no, no. no. I'm twist. telling you, we need to have a show of just doing <laughs> mm -hmm. this. Um, so saying what I hear a lot is that twists are uh, detoxifying. Yes. That the, the idea that if you just like totally wring your impossible. organs out like totally, a towel, totally that it's they'll totally squeeze <laughs> out the toxins. <laughs> that is the one. I, the, the twisting ones are the ones that drive me the, the craziest yeah. because you're right. There is some sort of detoxifying. That Here's what detoxifies is stuff in the body. The liver. <laughs> if you've got a liver and it's and you're alive your liver is detox i don't care how much liver damage you may think you have unless you are on a transplant list your liver is probably fine right and in some cases uh in some rare cases but for the most part you know it detoxifies your body not twisting the organs okay in fact you can't even <laughs> twist an organ i guarantee you there's no organ twisting that occurs okay like everything is wrapped so tightly to avoid just that from happening okay so, so claire you agree with mark allen yeah in that but i just thought of something important though good, which is good, that good, a please. lot of these just let's bring in more of a uh maybe a cultural consideration here is that a lot of these things that yoga teachers say come from Ayurveda, which uh, I think is 
a, a practice of many people. It is not from my own culture, but I think that it's important to recognize that there are some people who use this as their spiritual practice. And I don't want it to be misconstrued that we are in any way uh, criticizing their spiritual practice. My concern is whenever they present it as if it's science and the only way of healing. Okay, I'm, yeah. I'm glad you. So I just want to put you that out, out there. there. All right. So, so is, now there, that is there a way to present that, or do do you do this, or do yoga instructors do this, where they make it clear that it's more of a uh, an energetic or mm. almost like a visualization technique, like to sort of visualize your body detoxifying as you are. <laughs> metaphorically wringing out your organs uh, um, no I'm not okay. a yo- I am neither a doctor nor a psychologist nor a yoga teacher so I explain it to me uh okay so if I'm the only time I would talk about anatomy in a yoga class and this might be because I mostly teach restorative yoga which is the most chill of yoga it's very Certainly. relaxing my favorite but I talk about the autonomic nervous system in that Okay, because, so good. That's good. All right. Yeah, let's, okay, let's talk about that. Yeah, right. because and are good. I'm really no, I'm I'm really excited actually to have this conversation with you because okay. maybe you can fact check me a little okay. bit. All right. All right. Um, All right. So I talk about how deep breathing and doing muscle relaxation is a way for us to simulate the relaxation response. So the parasympathetic nervous system. Right. So let's just real quickly talk about the autonomics. The autonomic yeah. nervous system is the non-conscious it's the it's the part of your body it's part of your nervous system that's working without you being aware uh, of it working and to explain it as simply as possible there's basically an on switch and an off switch basically and the on switch are the sympathetics and the off switch are the parasympathetics Mm. that's a very very basic understanding of what the autonomics are so, for example, a uh, sympathetic response would be your pupils getting wide when uh, you know a, a kid crosses the street as you're going 20 miles down the road. You're going to take in as much light to try to stop the, the stop the the car to avoid hitting that child as the child is trying to chase his or her ball. The parasympathetics are stimulated in the setting, like you just said. So, go ahead. That was perfect stimulation of the parasympathetic system ding 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 so so what is it say it again it's the deep breathing yes deep breathing and relaxation practices right Um, and so i mean i don't know if you can say it stimulates the parasympathetics i i can see where you're coming from it certainly puts you in a relaxation a relaxation state of mind but now that i had said that i i i am i i prob i probably wouldn't phrase it like that how would you phrase it I would just say that we're just going to relax. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> like I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't bring up the, the autonomic nervous system at all. All right. Okay. So that, but that would, that would not vex me in a, in a, in a, in a, in a yoga class. I would be like, okay. I, I mean, I see where she's coming from. I couldn't say with a hundred percent certainty, but I, I bet you if I put, you know, 10 doctors in, in this room and ask them, I bet you 50% would probably be like, yeah, I could see some stimulation of the autonomic nervous system. The other five would be like, I don't know. I probably wouldn't say it because I don't know. Yeah. This is so helpful. All right. So give me another yeah, one. Can we do this again? Yeah. 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 Um, See, I need to get a bunch of yoga teachers in the room. Well, and what, like, I would, what I would like is have to have a yoga teacher questions. who maybe uh, teaches more from an energetic standpoint, like sure. you're talking about, because that's definitely not my wheelhouse. And so yeah. I think we're missing out on a, a perspective here. Yeah. Well, okay. So we have, uh, they have, Claire has to leave in about 
four minutes. Okay. So yeah, I'm actually going to a yoga teacher training to train them in trauma-informed yoga. Great. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I feel like we should switch gears just really quick, but I would really love to have you back on again and yeah. have this back and forth um, because it's super entertaining. I'll come prepared with a list of things yeah. I've heard in yoga classes before. Please. Yeah. Okay. So... I do want to ask, though, just as a very quick follow-up question, do mm -hmm. you think that this conversation is maybe having some of our listeners um, feeling uh, kind of as if um, yoga, like the original intent of yoga, where it comes from, it's, it's actually is more of a spiritual practice mm -hmm. and not, not necessarily exercise or... Um, scientific or medical so do you think that this conversation alone is could stir up um, some issues for people or some feelings of people for people who um, yoga is in their c does come from their um, sort of cultural background and it is more of a spiritual practice so we're applying science to it and is it kind of like maybe it doesn't belong there right yeah no thank you um, I think this is really, really important to bring into the context of what we're talking about. Um, there's no way to unpack how yoga is culturally appropriated in two minutes. Um, but I think sure. it's really I important to acknowledge that it worms. is. Yeah. And uh, I would love to have this as more of a larger conversation. And I'd yeah. love to bring my co-facilitator, Sarah, that I Great. mentioned earlier, who has really uh, helped me understand this more. Um, because, yeah, I think it's really important to acknowledge that yoga does not come from my culture. Um, and that the way I approach yoga is not necessarily as a spiritual practice. Maybe my own personal practice, I might use it that way, but the way that I offer it to others is not because I don't want to assume that experience for them and put that experience on them. So, um, yeah, I think it is definitely something that, you know, even in my, my clinical training that we bring, you know, mindfulness into it. And I typically think of it as a vehicle for mindfulness a lot. So the physical movements or there uh, sometimes as an afterthought, really. So yeah, so definitely the way I approach it is not representative of the way it was originally developed, but also it's important to acknowledge that yoga as we know it now is not representative of the way it was originally developed. It is largely a white commercialized business product. Yeah. So See, uh, that is an interesting conversation. Right yeah. And we well. are going to have that <laughs> next time that we have Claire on because we've run out of time. I had so many other questions uh, lined yeah. up. No, well, no, not at all. I mean, this is all really wonderful and helpful. We only we had only 30 minutes with Claire today. I would love to have you back on yeah. if you are into it and we can dive a little bit deeper into some of this stuff. And I do have some more questions for you that I will save for next time. Okay. So for great. now, I would like to thank our very special guest, Claire Privat. And uh, the next time they come on, we'll dive back into all of this. What do yeah. you say, Mark Allen? Thank you so much, Claire. Yeah, I look forward to it. Thank great. you so much. You've been yeah. great. Thank, Thank you care. all both so much. Yeah. 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 So right. we're going to uh, break for a quick second right now. Uh, Ron Placone, who is a comedian, will join us on air in about, uh, about five minutes or so. Uh, and yeah, you just go to number one. And uh, we're going to just swip, switch out the uh, studio real quick, and we'll be right back. Well, it ain't no use to sit and wonder why, baby Even you don't know by now And it ain't no use to sit and wonder why, baby 
It'll never do somehow When your rooster crows at the break of dawn Look out your window and I'll be gone You're the reason I'm traveling on But don't think twice, it's alright And it ain't no use in the turning on your light, babe The light I never knowed And it ain't no use in turning on your light, babe I'm on the dark side of the road But I wish there was something you would do or say To try and make me change my mind and stay But we never did too much talking anyway Don't think twice, it's all right So it ain't no use in calling out my name, gal Like you never done before And it ain't no use in calling out my name, gal I can't hear you anymore I'm a-thinking and a-wondering, walking down the road I once loved a woman, a child I am told I give her my heart, but she wanted my soul But don't think twice, it's all right All right Thank you so much uh, to uh, uh, Miss Claire, and thank you, AJ. AJ's with us still, and uh, that was a great talk. I can't wait to uh, to do more of that uh, yoga. What yoga teachers say that drive doctors crazy, uh, which I, I which I think. I feel like that could be an, a show yeah, on its own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm already. Alternative uh, healing versus yeah non-alternative healing well whatever we'll figure that out later anyway WHIV is a community radio station we provide a platform for independent voices with your support all WHIV hosts and DJs are volunteers and we do this service for the community because now more than ever we need a radio station that is dedicated to human rights and social justice so please consider becoming a monthly member of WHIV by setting up recurring donations of any amount that you wish you can donate one dollar a month Uh, you can donate five ten whatever you have the means to do all donations to WHIV are tax deductible or you can go to our station and buy our cool or go to our station you can go to you can help our station by going to our website at whivfm.org and buy all the cool stuff uh, we actually have some hats that are coming out soon we're looking forward to those so thank you for your continued support we are not a radio station with a mission we are a mission with a radio station and all wars it is really a uh, honor and a pleasure to uh, introduce uh, somebody for whom I have been following uh, his career uh, for some time, and that's Ron Placone. And Ron Placone is a comedian who can be seen regularly on The Jimmy Dore Show and The Young Turks. He hosts the world's first viewer-curated streaming news show, Get Your News On with Ron. And he's been on Sirius XM, and also he has been seen on TMZ, RT, and Free Speech uh, Today. Ron, uh, I'm sorry, Free Speech TV. Uh, Ron has a show coming up uh, at the Hi-Ho Lounge. It's a comedy show show 
on Wednesday, March 13th, and this is going to be the first of several uh, several uh, 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 several conversations that we're going to have with Ron leading up to his show. So, Ron, uh, welcome to WHIV. Thanks so much for having me, man. And, and uh, yeah, I, uh, I just wanted to add on that. It is uh, the Progressive Comedy Tour. That's the stand-up tour I'm on with uh, Graham Elwood, another uh, very funny comedian. And we're going to be at the Hi-Ho Lounge on March 13th. And uh, today, I got to tell you, it's a little special because we just got our uh, tour bumper stickers today. Like, they came in the mail today. I was really excited to get them. Uh, so we'll have a with us uh, in March, so so we're really stoked for the next leg of the run and uh, see everybody, especially New Orleans. It's one of my favorite cities. So right on. Well, we are so happy to be able to host you uh, while you're here, and I can't wait to see those uh, those bumper stickers. So tell me about this progressive comedy tour. So, so uh, Graham and myself are both regulars on the Jimmy Dore Show, and we both have uh, you know our own YouTube channels. His is the Political Vigilante. Mine is just Ron Placone with the, you know, the flagship show being Get Your News On with Ron. And, um, you know, we've, we've done a lot of panels together. And one day I was just doing a Get Your News On with Ron stream. And um, a guy out of Portland who still tunes into the show regularly, a guy named Josh, he's a really cool dude. He was like, I love it when you and Graham do stuff together. Why don't you guys tour together? And, uh, you know, I, I took a screenshot of it and I sent it to Graham almost as a joke, just kind of being like, hey, man, that's a pretty neat suggestion, right? And then a couple hours later, he called me, and he's like, dude, why don't we start? Yeah, we should do a stand-up tour. And I was like, really? Yeah, we should. So, you know, we tried to run in our own backyard. We did like a kind of Southwest run. We went to Vegas. We went to uh, Tempe, Arizona. We went to Lake Havasu, Arizona, and San Diego. That was the first leg that we did almost a year ago now. And it was a really, really cool experience. Uh, different groups would come out, like the DSA would table. Uh, different uh, candidates would come out, and they would table. And it was just sort of this, like, uh, it, it was a fun stand-up show, and also a bunch of progressives uh, were kind of meeting and talking and exchanging information. And it was just a really, really fun event uh, every single show. So we kind of thought, man, I think we might be on to something. So we did a Southeast run, which also went pretty well. We sold out a show in Louisville, Kentucky. We sold out a show in Asheville, North Carolina. Um, so now we're, we're doing about one region a month, and uh, it's been a blast. Uh, we started with Florida this year. We did Florida in January. Um, then we're just kind of doing more kind of regional local stuff this month and then next month we're coming out to the gulf and we're going to be seeing you in new orleans uh and we're also going to be hitting some other spots in the area as well and that's that's gonna be march uh, wednesday march 13th at the hi-ho lounge some of those cities yep. that you guys sold out are not what you would consider to be the the traditional progressive places uh where you would would find progressive so i have two questions here one is um uh is there a uh do you feel like there's a thirst for the sort of comedy that that you are offering one and then two you know i, I also wanted to say that comedy i have always cringed going to comedy shows and i've long since stopped going to comedy <laughs> shows because no, no 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 before you because they were comedy shows were always seeped in like you know traditional misogynistic or anti-LGBT, you know, lots of like gay jokes and, you know, just, it was just, a, it was a lot of comedy that just was, may, always made me feel uncomfortable. And, uh, and so the idea of a progressive comedy show to me sounds like that's something that I could definitely put my, uh, sink my teeth into. 
Well, I, I certainly hope you'll give us a shot. Oh, um, no, no, no. Yeah, Trust me, I mean, I'll be promoting think... and we'll definitely be there. And absolutely, good, good, good. yes. But I'm just talking well, about I, well, like the traditional. I, I, I totally understand where you're coming from. I, I hope, um, yeah, man, I, I hope we can uh, we can change your, uh, your thoughts on that. Because, yeah, it all depends on who the comedian is, right? So, you know, I, I've certainly seen some horrible things at comedy clubs over the years. I'm sure we all have. I'm sure. Um, yes. I've also seen some great things at comedy clubs, you know, it, it just kind of depends on the act. Um, but, uh, to answer your question, I think, you know, I used to live in Nashville, Tennessee. So I've always had like a bit of a frustration and it may be frustrations a bit strong to put it, but I've always had a bit of a, I guess, dismissal of this whole idea that the only place progressives are or on the coast. Um, and me and Graham decided, we're like, we want to go everywhere. We want to go across the country because uh, I do firmly believe that there are progressives everywhere. Um, I think there's a lot of people kind of disenfranchised um, with the state of affairs uh, everywhere. And we get a lot of different types of folks coming out. And it's been really, really cool. So so I like going. I mean, granted, you know, don't get me wrong. We had an amazing time in San Francisco, which that show also sold out. We had an amazing time in Miami. That show sold out. Um, you know, but we like to go all across the country. And, and we're certainly, you know, in, in every market, we just hope there's people that want to see us. <laughs> and we find out when we get there. Yeah. Um, and so far, it's been great. But, you know, I, uh, yeah, we certainly wanted to hit all the nooks and crannies. Because I, you know, and, and I learned that early on. You know, I was a road comic. For, uh, for about five years, I even lived in my car for part of it. And, you know, the more I traveled around the country, the more I realized we're not as different as everybody wants to tell us that we are. Yeah, you know, at the right. end of the day... Yes, that's right. Yeah, I mean, it's like at the end of the day, everybody just wants a fair shot. They just want to be able to send their kids to college. They want to be able to get paid a fair wage for their work. They want to be able to go to a doctor when they need to. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, th that's kind of we all want the same things. So that's why, uh, you know, the whole idea of populism is really connecting with people, whether it be Bernie Sanders, who's connecting with people on a general level, or on a genuine level, or, you know, a Donald Trump, who's kind of selling the whole idea of a right wing populist, which I think is just a lot. But uh, but either way, it is connecting. Yeah, I, I, I agree uh, 100%, and, and we're super excited to have you uh, come to the Hi-Ho again on Wednesday, March 13th. Uh, that's going to be at the Hi-Ho Lounge Progressive Comedy Tour uh, with Ron Placone and uh, Graham, uh, what's Graham's last name again? I'm sorry. Graham Elwood. Graham Elwood, that's right. Yeah. Uh, Ron, I know that we had you just for a couple minutes. I didn't know if you, uh, if you, if you had time or if you needed to go. I know there were a couple things we wanted to talk about. Are we able to shift to that or do you need to... Uh, uh, do you need to head on out? I can stick around for a bit, man. I just I, I wanted to make sure I was uh, I was in the ready for you because I know how uh, I know how doing the radio thing goes. You got to honor those breaks and stuff because uh, you know I used to I used to run a little lefty morning show in Nashville, Tennessee. So I I, I know the radio game still. Cool. Yeah. No, we're we're fortunate in that we're a uh, commercial free radio station. So a lot of that oh, okay. stuff doesn't doesn't have does, we don't we're not uh, we were just taking a break just to kind of move a guest out and then kind of bring you on board. So we talked to it. So there were two things that you and I talked about. And I was just wondering if we could we'll just start with the first one. Last week, the president had uh, 
his uh, uh, very difficult to uh, to swallow, or if you will, watch uh, his State of the Union uh, address, in which it just was notable for many many things. Uh, you know, the the run on sentences, the con- you know one concept kind of going into the other. Uh, but there was one clip that I or one one paragraph that I wanted to read to you and just kind of get your take on it. And he said here that an economic miracle is taking place in the United States, and the only thing that can stop it are foolish wars, politics, or ridiculous partisan investigations. And then he goes on to say, if there's going to be peace and legislation, there cannot be war and investigation. And uh, and I almost spit up my uh, my drink that I was <laughs> had at that moment. So I was just wondering what your take was on that, on how blatant the president could just stand up there and then just basically beg uh, and say, please don't investigate me. I know he did a lot of things wrong. Well, I think that, yeah, I mean, that particular quote, like when he was talking about bipartisanship, you know, Donald Trump promoting bipartisanship is like McDonald's promoting healthy eating. You know, it's absolutely ridiculous. His whole idea was that, oh, he's this outsider. He's going to he's going to interrupt the system and disrupt the apple cart. And all of those were lies. You know, he's just another insider. He was just on the. uh the other side of the fence. He was on the fence of the people buying the politicians, not being the politician himself. Yeah. Um, you know, he's just another plutocrat. Uh, but people are so disenfranchised with the status quo uh, that enough people bought his outsider lie. So that was the first thing I noticed, uh, you know, when he was saying the bipartisanship stuff is just how ridiculous that was uh, coming from him. And the other thing that actually kind of bothered me about that is when he talked about, you know, they got a bigger applause break in a room full of elected officials. There was a bigger applause break than when he said America will never be a socialist country than there was when he said we need to end these wars. Uh, uh, That really bugged me, Uh, you know. Even though it's a lie coming from him, like I, I, know, I, I actually agree with the statement, we need to end these wars. I agree with that statement. Uh, coming out of Donald Trump's mouth, I know I can't believe it. I know that's not true coming out of his mouth, at least based on every action he's taken. I mean, the one, even the whole getting out of Syria thing, he ended up not doing that anyway. It was just words. But you know, that was the one time where I was like, well, at least he said something that is uh, true. I agree with that sentiment. We need to end these wars. That got a smaller applause break than when he said, we're never going to be a socialist country. And when he says that, he doesn't mean the authoritarian brand. He means the brand of you being able to go to a doctor, the brand of getting paid a living wage, the brand of workers' rights. Uh, That's what he meant. And uh, that, sadly, had bipartisan support. Yeah, and, and in fact, what, what I thought was actually summarized very nicely in, when uh, we saw the details, of, or at least what we saw of the details of the Green No Deal by uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, and I think Representative, Representative Ocasio-Cortez and, and Mark L, um, that they showed uh, on Thursday. And I just thought that was just, uh, you know, it was an excellent piece of legislation that was out there. And then, you know, for me, like I've always had a 
somewhat of a difficult time with Nancy Pelosi. I thought that she did a great job recently in her standing up against uh, the president with the wall, not not buckling with that. Uh, color me surprised with that because I've just been so used to seeing the Democratic Party always seem to buckle under that sort of pressure. But she really did a great job. She, You saw her facial expressions and that great clap back that she did. And I was like, all right, maybe I've been a little harsh with Nancy Pelosi. And just when I start getting, I soften up a little bit, just when I start thinking maybe I've been a little too hard on her, and then we get the the green new dream or whatever it was, the green dream or whatever right. they call it. And I was like, no, no, I was right. That's just the way she is. And so, any thoughts yeah, on that? Yeah, well, you know, you know what I tweeted out in, in regards to that exact thing you mentioned is I said, you know, maybe I'd be a little more excited when Nancy Pelosi mocks the people trying to destroy the planet if she didn't also mock the people trying to save it. Yeah, that's a great one. So that that, that was kind of my my sentiment there. And and I, I just think, you know, that's part of the problem. You know, incrementalism is not going to get us out of this mess. We're, we're due for another sharp turn. And if we don't have people willing to make the sharp turn, we're in a whole lot of trouble. And the thing is, is it's not going to take electoral politics by itself. It's going to take a movement. It's going to take uh, uh, social movements. It's going to take alliances. It's going to take uh, task force across the country. It's going to take um, it's going to take protests. It's going to take strikes. And, and if you it's going to take all that stuff. Yeah. And if you don't mind, me uh, that, adding- that's just the reality. It, I'll add to that too because because you have a media uh, uh, per, uh, presence as well. But we're not going to see a political revolution until we see a media revolution. And, Amen. And 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 I think that the work that you do uh, with the various uh, outlets that you work with, including uh, Get Your News On with Ron, I think that that the the mainstream media that's paid by the same donors that pay off uh, the our elected officials, they're the ones that don't want us to be. They're the ones that w- refuse to have us get out of wars. They're the ones that, that have put us in the position that we're in right now. They're the ones, that's the reason why there was a stronger applause line for uh, we are uh, not going to be a socialist country uh, versus the applause, the the, the paltry applause uh, that we heard with the, the war uh, statement that you, you mentioned. And so we need a, a, a media revolution and certainly that's... Certainly, oh, big time. And that, that's what we're doing here on WHIV and certainly that's what you guys are doing uh, as well uh, with uh, the various uh, outlets uh, that you're uh, involved with as well because again the mainstream media are, are not working for the common people they used to I would say no. back in the day that was that was a thing but once uh, the news became an entertainment and a money-making entity I think that the media uh, got lost uh, uh, in, in that entity and speaking of that let me just kind of we just talked about one last thing also was the idea of Jeff Bezos and protesting the invasion of his privacy uh, last week uh, and of course uh, I, I don't uh, applaud uh, anybody uh, being uh, infringed upon uh, and their privacy being infringed upon. I think what 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 had happened there was horrible. But it's hard to also when you take a step back, you see how uh, shocked and chagrined uh, um, uh, Jeff Bezos was uh, when his uh, he's in the process of building a huge surveillance state uh, himself. And so I was just wondering what your thoughts were on that piece of uh, news that came out last week. Yeah, you know, uh, blackmail is a various, very serious thing. I, I certainly don't wish it on anybody, but uh, I have a hard time playing the violin for Jeff Bezos. Even if I got a good deal on a violin at Amazon.com, I'd still have, I'd still have a hard time <laughs> playing one for him. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, not only the surveillance state he's trying to build, which you mentioned, and which is when you read into it, it it's uh, it's scary. He is a real world Lex Luthor. But also the whole thing, like Alexa records everything you say. And then I don't know if you saw this, 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 this kind of got uh, shuffled around in the news. Like it didn't get as much attention as I thought it would, but Alexa records everything. And then if you want those recordings, they actually have to give them to you. So some guy was like really upset about the whole thing. So he demanded that he get all of his recordings. Um, and they ended up sending his recordings to the wrong person. So they just sent all of this person's <laughs> recordings to just some random other customer. Just like, like I think it was something like 3,800 recordings just, just wow. from his life, just sent to a stranger. Um, wow. And, you know, and yeah, I mean, you're left to speculate, gee, was that like sort of like a malicious act or was it a genuine mistake? We'll never know. But... Yeah, that's that's happening. The stuff he's doing with facial recognition. I mean, it is even just the whole thing about the second like like they were looking for the headquarters when you really break yeah, down what yeah, that yeah, was. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, that was yeah. that was something out of a comic book movie. Like I'm not even like so the whole time for anyone not in the know or, or you know, who doesn't recall the whole time they were saying, hey, we're looking for a second headquarters for Amazon. The entire time, though, they knew they were going to go to New York and they knew they were going to go to D.C. But they were like, yeah, we're looking for a place. So cities offered them up all of this information that's estimated to be worth about a billion dollars, like just countless information about uh, transportation plans, about neighborhood development plans. All of this valuable information, they just offered it up to Amazon at no cost. Jeff Bezos can do whatever he wants with that information. He can build a fulfillment center if he knows a new rail's going in somewhere. He can uh, invest in some pro- whatever he wants to do. That's just at his disposal. The whole time, they knew where they were going. They were going to New York City and Washington, D.C. And yes, they knew the whole time. Jeff Bezos knows where the Pentagon is. He knows he wanted to be there. And I'm pretty sure he's heard of New York City. He's got a buck or two. He can eat in Manhattan anytime he wants. So, I mean, and that I, was just... I think he also wanted to watch the the extent to which these mayors and city officials literally prostrated themselves in front of him. Like, there was one of the cities that said, we'll just change our name to Amazon. Like, there was a city that <laughs> said, we'll change our name to Amazon. I mean, that was, I, I, I was, I was stunned by that. And, and, and of course, you know, all of a sudden, there's all this money and resources available to bring Amazon in, but none of those cities or, uh, or entities were, uh, would ever have offered that just to any of the working class people or poor people in their communities otherwise and you know every you know i'll say this too whenever i would travel around every city thought they were in the top 10 like everywhere everywhere i went they were like we're pretty much it's gonna be us like my family's from pittsburgh and they were like we're pretty sure it's gonna be pittsburgh we're pretty sure we've heard and then i saw nothing indicating pittsburgh was in the top maybe they maybe they were but like i heard like philly was being heavily considered i heard atlanta was being heavily considered uh, I actually thought it was going to be Philadelphia. If I was a betting man, I would have put my money on there. Because even I got it wrong a little bit. I knew that it was a scam. I knew that whatever city got it would end up regretting it later, which is already happening, by the way. Uh, you can read yeah, some articles. Yeah. New York is already yes, not yes, thrilled about what's yes, going on yes, there. Yes. But um, but I didn't. even I was not predicting that it was a total scam and they weren't even considering anywhere the whole time. 
Like even I did not predict that kind of like, like it was that big of a scam. Yeah. Uh, so, but it was. So anyway, uh, I have a hard time feeling bad for that dude. And, and then, uh, by, by a hard time, I mean, I don't feel bad for that dude. Right. <laughs> and then the, the jokes obviously write themselves. We'll stay away from that because we're on radio. But the fact that, uh, <laughs> right, the, the pecker jokes and all. Anyway, anyway, Ron Placone is a comedian. Uh, he can be seen regularly on the Jimmy Dore Show and the Young Turks. He hosts the world's first viewer. Oh, I wanted to ask you about that. We'll ask you next time. First viewer curated streaming news show. Get your news on with Ron. And he's been on series. Basically. Well, I can tell you real, I'll give you the cliff notes. All it really means, uh, it's, I don't prepare the show in advance. People tweet me what they want to talk about. And then we go through it in, in real time together. So like we just respond viscerally to the news. So it's, it's really fun. Like it's sort of a fun, you know, like you kind of get your news in the morning, right? Like you wake up and you're like, okay, what's going on in the world? Uh, I do that. But now I do it online with uh, a bunch of people telling me what's going on. So, uh, so I'm like, okay, so so-and-so sends this. This is what's going on. And sometimes like, I, all I know is the headline. Like, I don't know what it's about. And we just kind of go through it. And then I have a little thing where they can see the article on the, on the screen. And, and we just do a live stream. And then that's on your YouTube channel, Ron Placone? Yep. All right. So, yep, yep, yep. And uh, Ron will be uh, in town on Wednesday, March 13th at the Hi-Ho Lounge. Uh, and we'll be talking to Ron uh, in about two weeks and, and having another one of these conversations. Thank you so very much. Is there a website people can find you at? Yes. I wanted to, I wanted to throw that in there. Ronplacone.com is where you can go. That's my website. And that's also where you can get tickets for the show. So Ronplacone.com for tickets. And I uh, can't wait to see you guys at the Hi-Ho. Yep, can't wait to uh, see you as well. We'll uh, WHIV will be there and uh, and be happy to uh, to help continue to uh, to promote the show as well. We are big fans of the Hi Ho. In fact, some of the folks that work at the Hi Ho are also DJs here at WHIV. So in the meanwhile, nice Ron, thank you so very much for appearing, and we'll we'll have you back on in about two weeks. Thanks so much for having me. Super. Take care. Bye bye. All right, AJ. Sorry that we. Uh, I was. Uh, he initially that was supposed to be a ten minute, uh, a ten minute thing, but uh, that was fun though. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was. Uh, listen, I'm always a. I'm always a sucker to talk politics. So, yeah. but I. I really well, I, was into doing yoga and medicine, yeah. and like I thought we were gonna. I was hoping that we were gonna carry off that conversation. That's all right. So. We're, we'll do more of that. I do appreciate always bringing humor into it because you know what? If you don't laugh, you'll cry. That, yeah, 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 you're right. There you go. Um, all right. Well, anything to plug? We're going to start kind of signing off now. So. No, that's it. I just, uh, once again, always appreciate the opportunity to do this show with you. And uh, we'll thank see you. you next month. Yeah, Claire was, was great. We're looking forward to uh, having her on uh, next. And uh, coming up uh, in just a quick second are the uh, political stylings of the great Mark Allen Derry. No, <laughs> Mark Allen and Kenny Francis. Uh, we'll be right back. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll be right back. Sweet.